Welcome back to season five of That's What She Did podcast. We're dedicated to amplifying the voices of the women leaders, innovators, and rebels you don't already know. We highlight everyday women who are impacting today's social issues while also centering the voices of women of color. In short, we curate the stories of brilliant women. This season, we're bringing you Women Who Disrupt. Each episode, you're going to hear from an impactful and inspiring woman who push your thinking, challenge your assumptions, and most importantly, inspire you to find a way to create impact in your corner of the world. I'm Tangier Renee, creator and host of That's What She Did. Thank you for joining me and your fellow inspiration junkies as we learn from and connect with today's brilliant women. Hey friends, welcome back. This is season five, episode seven of That's What She Did podcast. I'm your host, Tangie Renee. This week, I'd like to introduce you to the Museum for Black Girls. The Museum for Black Girls is an immersive tribute to Black girl magic and a love letter to Black women in general. Founded by Keisha Marie and Charlie Billingsley, the two women created an immersive experience representing Black women and sisterhood, starting from the camaraderie of gathering in salons and kitchens and far beyond. From hot combs and embracing natural hair to exploring important moments and figures in Black women's history, The museum gives insight into a Black woman's unique world. Founded in Denver, Colorado, Keisha and Charlie have designs of taking this vibrant and new experience on the road. Please keep in mind that this episode was recorded in the two short weeks before we were throwing around words like quarantine and social distancing, and it certainly wasn't a reality for us yet. So the context has changed just a bit. Just keep that in mind when you're listening as some of the dates, a little bit of the information may have changed since then. In the meantime, you can keep up with the Museum for Black Girls by going to Instagram, going to at the Museum for Black Girls to find their websites and get all of the latest updates for when the show will be ready to go back on the road. Until then, thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, I thank you so much for joining us here. And if you've been a regular, I love you to the bottom of my heart. Thank you for continuing to show up for us week after week, supporting this show. And thank you most of all for sharing. That's how we've grown. So if you want to support this show, please subscribe and please share. And most of all, give us a rating review wherever you are listening to this podcast. We appreciate you so, so much. Now, let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of That's What She Did. And we are continuing with the Women X Who Disrupt season. We've been so excited to create this season, um, bringing together all these women across the spectrum that are doing really cool, impactful things and finding a way to create change in their corner of the world, whatever that looks like. And that's why I'm excited to bring you two really impactful, inspiring, brilliant women today by the name of Charlie and Keisha. And they created the Museum for Black Girls, which, as I haven't been yet, but I'm going to (laughs) go, as I understand it, is an immersive tribute, it's like an immersive art experience 
to Black women and girls everywhere. Is that accurate? Yes, Mm -hmm. it is a um, tribute to the evolution of our Black girl magic. So kind of where we started to where we are now, you can see that transition in the museum. Amazing. Well, before we fully get started, I do want to officially welcome the two of you to the show. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank, thank you for having you. us. <laughs> we appreciate totally it. Totally my pleasure. Totally my pleasure. I'm so excited to share the work that you're doing. I do think that it's innovative and I think it's disruptive. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks it's disruptive, but I do because it made me think about museums in a different way. And I think that on its own can be a very disruptive force when you push someone into a space that challenges their thinking. Mm -hmm. So I want to jump into it. What is the Museum for Black Girls? (laughs) Yeah, so um, like I said, it is a vibrant, it is not your typical museum, not at all. Um, People who are like museum connoisseurs are like, this is not a museum. (laughs) So we're like, it is vibrant. It's a selfie museum for Black girls is basically what we call it. So a selfie museum. Yes. What does that mean? So it's places it's there's different exhibits where you can interact with those actual exhibits. So when you first come into the museum, there is a beautiful couch with a velvet blue couch with a floral installation and a gold mannequin naked. We call her our liberated lady. So yes, everything that we do is disruptive now that we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I just want to piggyback like how you said it challenge the way you look at museums because that's been a conversation that we've been having like what do we want this experience to be like we want to have it have the same prestige because you know being a black woman is an honor privilege that we want to celebrate and elevate but we also don't want it to be some stuffy pretentious thing like oh the museum for black girls like we want to keep it something that is welcoming and inviting and you don't have to be a sophisticated art person to appreciate what we've created in this space. And it is immersive. It is interactive. Like you can sit on the couch with the liberated lady. You can put her crown on. You could put her sash on because we have like a little sash. Mm-hmm. She can be covered if she wants to, or if whoever is sitting there wants to cover her up a little bit, they can. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a dynamic experience, mm-hmm. honestly. It literally is. So, why did you choose for like the first thing people see when they walk in is um, a naked woman? That's actually the end of our exhibit. It's kind of the beginning and okay. the end. It literally sits in. So we transformed our boutique into a museum. So uh, we had already done pop-ups before and we created a living room set. So as soon as you walk in, it's inviting. You can see we have uh, floating frames over the couches. So we were like, let's just step that up a notch. So she's really the end to our museum, um, but she is the first thing that you see. We actually really start people at the salon, which we call Grandma's Kitchen, where mm-hmm. the hair started with the pressing combs and the Marcells and the perms and the just for me's and the jams. Um, so it wasn't really like, hey, let's throw that right there. Um, but it was just so fitting to be to begin it, begin it and end it. So people are like, oh my gosh, what is this? And they end it like, okay, now I understand. Yeah. Going through this evolution, mm-hmm. going through this process of the museum. Now I understand why she's here and why she's important. And it's really just like with that transition, like going from grandma salon. So we have the salon and then we had the library. We had um, 
or no, excuse me, the salon and then the Blue Magic um, exhibit. So, you know, everybody knows about Blue Magic Grease. A lot of us grew up using that. In our natural journey, we may not use it anymore because we know some of the ingredients, but even Blue Magic is starting to try to make changes to kind of get with the times. So just recognizing that progression. So we have the Blue Magic exhibit, and then we have the iconic Black woman wall, and then we have the throwback room, and then the vibe room. It's just like a whole process of like us identifying the different stages of our growth as Black women and being unapologetic in that. Like, mm-hmm. so we're not pressing our hair anymore unless we want to. That's an option. Mm-hmm. And I think just going through all of those different installations, all those exhibits is just showing that process. And the Liberated Lady at the end is just like, that's this is where we are now. Like, we're free to do what we want to do. So that's why I said she's naked. Yes, because it's a naked mannequin, but we do have the sash. So like, you can have that balance between covering up a little bit, showing what you want to. It's all our choice. And I think that's what we're Mm -hmm. showing. Black women aren't being defined or limited to what other people are placing on us. We're defining it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And every exhibit shows that progression. And the Liberated Lady is just like, yep, we here. This is what we do (laughs) it. So how have you to come to this? I know you that you you you're you're creatives, right? And just like in your everyday life, and, and you created the Black Creatives Weekend, mm-hmm. yes, which is an ongoing conference style event, right? Correct. Is, is that correct? It is. It's a conference we have this summer. So yeah. Yep. So Black Creatives Weekend is so it started off as just going to be the conference, but we've kind of transformed it into a media company itself. So we've gone and covered other events, just connecting Black creatives, Black people in general, with other resources outside of Colorado because we're both Colorado natives and we have like always looked for ways to elevate Black culture and to find elevated Black cultural experiences and creative experiences and we didn't necessarily see that here so we went to places like Brooklyn to Oakland to Atlanta and we connected with people in those places through social media and just through travel and we wanted to bring a piece of that back here in Denver so that's where Black Creatives Weekend was born from and we've done multiple pop-up events we've had game nights we did a watch party for the salon album that she dropped last year just different things showcasing just our black experience and Mm -hmm. amplifying that and that kind of trickled into from the events that we did into the museum so and I'll let you kind of talk about your your tradition your birthday tradition yeah 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 so um hey friends This episode is brought to you by Trade and Travel, a game-changing online course created by our episode one guest, Terry Egioma, founder of Invest with Terry. Terry is on a mission to teach at least a thousand people how to make a thousand dollars per day. Imagine what you could do with an extra thousand dollars in a month, let alone making that much in a single day. That's why I'm excited that Terry has made her game-changing program, Trade and Travel, widely available. I'm going to take the course and you can take it too. All you have to do is use the link in the show notes to get access to the course now. Let's learn how to make $1,000 in a day together. I mean, who couldn't use an extra $1,000? I know I can. I mean, who am I? Mike Bloomberg? Of course I could use an extra $1,000. People who have taken the course are actually able to quit their jobs so they can travel the world with all the money they've made learning how to master the stock market. And I'm not ashamed to say that I want that life. You guys, let's 
trade and travel together. Just click on the link in the show notes and get started now. Use link bit.ly forward slash she did invest to learn how to get started with trade and travel. Every year, so I'm a photographer, so a lot of the photos and canvases that you'll see in the museum are ones that I've took because every year um, I do a tribute to Black women. That's just like my thing. Um, last year we did, not last year, year before we did a melanin calendar. So we spent the mm. whole year shooting different Black women, different themes, different styles, and came out with a calendar. So this year I was like, hey, I want to have a gallery, but how can we make it impactful? How can we make it intentional? And I'm not your, I'm not your average art gallery person. I hate going to art galleries and just standing there looking at art for hours. Me I literally too. went to, yeah, I went to the Met with my sisters and I was like, we were there for three hours and I was like, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> why I have to stand here. Like I can't touch the beds. I can't touch yeah. anything. I can't even take a picture on this. I just have to sit here and admire this room that I can't even stand in or even go in, you know? Um, So we, so I was like, it has to be different. It has to be something where people can sit and take those photos and actually enjoy being in this moment. So we're like, all right, let's do an evolution to black girls. Um, Let's, let's start it. And let's get, we're the only ones who can tell our story. There's so many different people who are telling our stories, not in the right way. Um, Mm -hmm. Not a black girl but wanted to tell our stories. And so we're like, no, let's start from what, let's start from the beginning for us, even just, and that might not be the very beginning, but let's start from the beginning where I used to sit in my grandma's kitchen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was my memory. Like the kitchen we created was a replica of my grandmother's kitchen. Like she had yellow wallpaper when I was growing up sitting in the chair, getting my hair permed and pressed. So we have yellow wallpaper <laughs> in the museum <laughs> um, and we have a real stove. Mm-hmm. So, and these people are able to come sit in the salon chair and play with the pressing cones and the Marcells and even learn about those things. Even my daughter, she was like, Mom, what's a perm? <laughs> so, it's things like that. Even, <laughs> right? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what that is. Like, don't worry yeah. about it. You know? We don't do that here. Just being able to, like, and so many people have came in and immediately have. Um, resonated mm-hmm. with just that salon itself. They're like, oh my God, I can remember getting burnt in the back of my head. <laughs> That's the first thing. Like, they talked about the sizzle and the mm-hmm. smell. Like, that looks... <laughs> literally yeah like, I know that smell all I remember that smell all my aunts and they were always in the kitchen with their hot combs yeah, yeah you, could, you would walk in and smell it in the yeah. house so I I know that smell right? <laughs> I'm like any time of the day I can still walk in my grandmother's house and she might be sitting in the kitchen doing somebody's hair like mm-hmm. still to this day so we wanted to create those moments and we wanted to I'm like I saw so many stories uh, about black women it's all traumatic experiences it's nothing that's like this was our tradition growing up and this is how we bonded with maybe our grandmother or our mother sitting in the kitchen getting our hair done. That's Those are things that we grew up on and that not everything that we've been through have been traumatic experiences. Like I wanted, I wanted to make a place where it was celebratory mm-hmm. for Black women because mm-hmm. we deserve that. For one, we deserve to be celebrated mm-hmm. and we deserve to have safe and beautiful spaces where we're not always reminded of everything that we've been through or even still going through not to say that's not important but we deserve to have spaces where we're like you are beautiful you are loved this is your space it's for you Mm so yeah so how have you found now that the the museum has launched and you're growing an audience for it 
How have you found it to be disruptive and in what ways do you think it's been? Um, I think I actually just saw, so we just, uh, a newscast just aired us like last week and mm-hmm. I was looking at the comments there. And of course it gets to, why can't you have a museum for all women? Oh. <laughs> because that already exists. It already exists. Right. Some Somebody commented on, um, so we're doing, we, we've done a poetry night um, in the museum. So we have Black Girls Flow. And I think it says like hosted at the museum for Black girls. And some guy wrote like, whoa, why isn't there a museum for Becky? And I was like, because everything is for Becky's. Please let mm-hmm. us have our museum. Thank you. Like, right. We're not even going to entertain that. Like you already know everything was built for you guys. Like, right. If that space was already created, we wouldn't have had to do it. Exactly. The fact that these women have came in, so many women, we didn't even know. We were like, yes, let's make it intentional. But we didn't even know how important it was until all of these beautiful ladies started coming in close to tears or crying like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, this is for me. This is what we this is what we were supposed to have. We shouldn't have to create spaces like that. But unfortunately, there's not places where where it's inclusive or where it makes us feel good. The stuff that you may see about Black women, if you're seeing a museum, we're in chains. Um, right. It's the slave story. It's the, slave, the common slave story all the time um, or how much we had to fight. It's never, oh, well, this Black woman did this amazing thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always one-off things that we see. And I'm like, nope, we're going to create a space where you see all those pageant queens together. You see this woman who um, was part of NASA. Like, all the amazing things that these women are doing, we just, we get the one-offs, but there's never a place where it's inclusive. The fact, and we know it. These women have came in like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this, even for me, like, just for mm-hmm. me. And I'm, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So, definitely disruptive we definitely get the oh it's not why can't it be for even we've gotten why can't it be for all women of color mm-hmm. and we're like it is like don't it take is, the, yeah. yeah don't take the name so um harshly because i mean it is for all women of color but they use that they use that to even try to take our blackness away mm-hmm. use women of color use of color use people of color so let's yeah. talk about that for a second i want to explore that topic because this comes up in conversations that I have often about when people are saying like people of color or women of color, they're typically not talking about black women. Exactly. The term women of color means like all those other women. But when we're specifically talking about black women, the, the term is like black indigenous women and women of color. Mm -hmm. That's the actual inclusive term. Mm-hmm. Why do you think it's important to create a space that, in your words, is a love letter to Black women, but it's also for other women of color? What's the nuance there? I think this is really confusing for people. Well, I wouldn't even say that we're, we're not marketing it like, oh, this is for all women of color. But what we're saying mm-hmm. is you're still welcome to come and celebrate this with us, right? Like, we're very intentional that this is for Black women, by Black women. But we welcome our allies. That's what it comes down to. We're all in the fight together as far as just women in general. And especially mm-hmm. women of color, 
Mexican, Asian, whatever, like women who are not Black. So we understand that they have experiences that can be traumatic and need to be celebrated as well. But as far as our space, yes, it's very intentionally for and by Black women. We just don't want it to be like, oh, nobody else can come and get that education and see the experience that we have. Like, it's a teachable moment, if nothing else, Mm -hmm. for people to be able to come in and see our process. We've had a white man come in and spend and what he was in there for a few hours I feel like at each exhibit genuinely trying to learn trying to understand Mm -hmm. so we can create a space to have those educations to that education to create those teachable moments then that opens up more of a dialogue Mm -hmm. but I don't want I don't want it to be I don't think either one of us wants it to be confusing and that we're saying oh this is a space for all women of color like they're all welcome but it was intentionally for and by black women Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. other thing is Black, the word black is so uncomfortable for people. Oh, use people of color, use women of color, blah, blah, blah. Like, even when it comes to trying to get sponsorships or anything, if you're just specifically putting the word black and not people of color, they're immediately like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm on the fence. Like, even us having Black Creators Weekend, it's like, it's like they feel like we're thrown in our face. But like, we are black, you know, we are creatives, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever, you know. Um, I don't know what else to tell you, but I'm like, we're, we're very welcoming. There's, there's been white girls that have came in there and have been so respectful of the space and just learning, especially for women who want to touch our hair all the time. Right. Come in and learn about it. Come learn why you can't touch it right. and come learn the process of reason why you can't touch it. We sat in that kitchen for hours, you know, and now you want to, so like, that's why it's disruptive because it makes people uncomfortable because we're learning how to make ourselves comfortable. We created it, um, another reason specifically for my daughter, she's young, and the society's already teaching us that we have to have these bodies that look like this. We can't have this natural hair. We can't have the big lips, but they can go get them. Mm-hmm. No, we can't have our hair cornrowed. You can't even wear your hair cornrowed in school or you can't have locks in school. And she went to a school where it was predominantly white and they were tugging on her braids and they were you know, talking about her and the school didn't even know how to handle it. This is a school in Denver. Did not even know how to handle it. Did not teach them about their history at all. Like, it's things that the parents have to go up there like, hey, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. my, my son was like, can we talk about Black history? And they were like, oh, let's talk about Valentine's Day instead. <laughs> you know? So we have to create these spaces. Like, my kids mm-hmm. are not learning their history unless I'm the one teaching it to them. Because in schools, they don't have it. They don't have to have it. And I have to go be the crazy parent that's like hey what's up because you guys mm-hmm. you, you're teaching them history but nothing about people who look like them and that's that's not fair you know and it's important and representation matters it matters so it, and it matters for me to show my daughter that you have these big beautiful lips and you're amazing and you can wear your hair what they want to call nappy or unacceptable and you're amazing and here are all these other amazing women who look just like you there are so many little girls that come in there like, oh my God, I look, she looks like me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like a celebrity or somebody like, yeah, and she's amazing. And so can you, you can be that too. Mm-hmm. They make it so hard for us to accept ourselves unless we're straightening our hair or changing our bodies or bleaching our skin, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I said. What's the impact that you hope to have? Yeah. I think biggest thing for me is like self-love. Like it, it has to start within self and you have to see that in order to be that um, in a world of where a lot of things that are acceptable for us because it's 
this is how we were born is not acceptable for the world. So I think just people being comfortable with themselves and knowing that there is a place of self-love and, and teaching people that you can create anything you want. You can, you can create spaces and it, and it's okay. Like if you don't see something that represents you, or if you don't see something that's important to you, make that, make that space, make that. And people will come either. They will come or they won't. Most of the times they will come. We didn't even know this many people would come to our museum. We were just like, yeah, you can have a gallery. It was supposed to be one <laughs> night. <laughs> Yeah. Literally, it was supposed to be one night. I was like, okay, I have a gallery night for my birthday. Then we had to extend it two weeks. And after two weeks, people were like, oh my God, I haven't got to see it yet. So we had to extend it two more weeks. Now it's turned into like almost a permanent pop-up thing where all these people from different states are asking us to come. And we're like, oh my God, this was needed. Yeah. You never know who needs your gift. So that's the most important thing. If anything out this museum is give someone the inspiration to do something else because you never know that you never know the impact we literally did not know the impact and then it reached like 50 to seventy thousand people and like wow yeah. okay someone was looking for this yeah. but you never know so yeah so so clarify for for me and for the audience is i so my understanding is it started as a pop-up the museum piece right it started as a pop-up and then now have you moved to a, a permanent location where's Still doing pop-ups. It's it's going to continue to be a pop-up space until, Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't know the impact and how far this was supposed to go, we didn't forecast that. It will continue to be pop-ups around the city of Denver. And then this summer, we'll take it on tour to different um, cities. And then we'll continue working on a permanent space. So right now, we are in our second pop-up space, which is um, in a home in historical park, a historical home in Park Hill. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we are in an, a beautiful home in Park Hill. And that's amazing to even being a part of Black Back to Park Hill where they're gentrifying in the area on a block where they're mm-hmm. gentrifying. Mm-hmm. gentrifying. So we're going to continue having pop-ups throughout the city um, for the spring. And then we will take it on tour this summer. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just see where it goes from there. Hopefully our goal, our ultimate goal is to have a permanent space in Denver. Yeah. Uh, but we're still raising the funds for that. Um to be able to get it because we and we want to make it a place where we can have these artifacts these black women artifacts and um have different artists women artists come through black women artists or any artists to come through and create that space so um it's just a work in process um sure but yes we're in our second pop-up right now so yeah fascinating so why is it so important to do this in denver specifically this is home i mean this is home for us and I guess to tie it back in with Black Creatives Weekend, our whole intention is to create spaces for people who are underrepresented, especially us as Black women, as Black creatives. We wanted to give create a platform for ourselves and our peers to have that representation. And here in Denver, we don't necessarily have that big of a Black population, but mm-hmm. it's growing. The city is growing. Colorado is growing. There's so many opportunities here. You see a lot more Black people that are coming for jobs, and they don't have a place to lay, to place roots. They don't feel that connection. Mm-hmm. They don't have that community around them. So it was important for us as Black women from here to create something permanent that can grow that can be bigger than us that's right here at home like because even being from Denver that never affected our blackness you know like if anything Mm -hmm. it made us more solid in our blackness and it made us more creative about ways to express that despite not having that representation and not having a lot of people that may look like like us around us so that's Mm -hmm. why it's so important to have it here I mean it's needed um it's definitely needed here I mean look at they just passed the crown act that you can't 
you know, have a job or discriminate based off of your hair in Denver, you know? And we've had women that came from the Springs, Castle Rock, Fort Collins. So it's like, it's needed here. There's there's mm-hmm. no point in taking it to a place where you can't experience your Blackness, like Atlanta. Because people thought it was in Atlanta. Yeah. But like, what's mm-hmm. the point in taking that this Black culture to Atlanta where people are already experiencing that? Put it in mm-hmm. places where people, where it's needed, you know? But and for it's one, not to say that we won't pop up in Atlanta. Yeah. Because we'll go, but... Are, the roots are going to be here, like because it's there is a need. It may be small, but it's growing, and there is a need, and we want to nurture the and celebrate the black people, the black community that we have here. Mm-hmm. It's like granted, like like I said, I have not had a chance to get out to the museum yet. I mean, I I just barely learned about it, right? <laughs> but from what I've heard, it's almost like people are saying who have attended that it's sort of a um like it touches on what it means to be a black woman in america yeah yeah so if if that feels like an accurate representation of the impact the museum is having um how would you answer that question that what does it mean to be a black woman in america i think we're i think um that's a definition you're defining every day for yourself as a black woman. Cause a black woman for me is joy. It's love. It's beauty. That's not, pe- that's not how people see us all the time. Uh, but that's our definition, at least for the, even the museum, it is, it's happiness. It's joy. It is growth. It is being spiritually in tune with yourself. Um, it's love. What else? Yeah. Um, I, I would just say, yeah, that's our biggest thing with like showing what being a black woman in America is now is it is changing. Like it's a transition. It's something that it's not going to be a static definition. It's going to be something that with every interaction, every um, milestone that we create, it's going to be changing. So I think it's just giving honor to that evolution mm-hmm. and the fact that we are creating that definition for ourselves. So there isn't like a cut and dry answer of what it means to be a black woman because it's multifaceted. It depends mm-hmm. on where you are in Colorado, like where you are in Atlanta, being a black woman in Atlanta versus being a black woman in Smyrna or whatever may be different. Being a black woman in Brooklyn may be different than being a black woman in LA. So it's something that has many different faces, many different components. So we we can't create one blanket definition. Mm-hmm. It literally changes every day with every experience that we have. Right. But we are showing the opposite side of who we, because we are Black women, who, what Black women really are. And that definition for me is even, we're not your stereotypical angry Black woman. We're not angry. We're passionate. You right. know, mm-hmm. we're not angry. And if we are angry, then see the reason why <laughs> we're angry about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, we're not crazy. No, no. Or, or black women aren't as smart as white women or other colorful women. Like, yeah, we actually are. There's, a, we have a black woman who invented wall. Just so people know, yes, a black woman did that. You mm-hmm. didn't know that, but you use it every single day. Right. The but, GPS systems, the gifts that everybody loves to share. Like, we have a whole wall board, but, showcasing that, like showcasing what we've done, what we've done as black women. And there's just, there's so many different, so many right. different moving parts. And even just softening that, like, yeah. people make being a Black woman seem like it's so hard or mm-hmm. make it hard for them to accept us as a Black woman. Like, the museum is a soft side of us, like, us sitting around the table laughing and enjoying each other mm-hmm. and, 
you know, enjoying the spaces that we grew up in or telling our stories. So many people, women have came in and told different stories. Yeah. Um, women from, oh, 50 years ago, this is my story, you know, and, and people just aren't willing to see that. So that's even a definition is changing the definition of, oh, we're angry, we're mad. You know, we can't do other things that other people can. Like, we can, mm-hmm. we did, we did. We did, we did that. You didn't give us the credit. <laughs> we, on so the we Black Women Law, says, thanks to Black women, we did that. Do you think that that those pervasive stereotypes are shifting? They're shifting because we're making them, you know, you Mm -hmm. see more figures like Issa Rae being unapologetically black and promoting that on every platform that she has the opportunity to. We see it with Ava DuVernay and the pieces that she creates, like we're, we're changing it. So I think to the outside looking in, they, that's on them to keep up with the progression that we're making, but we're not accepting those stereotypes anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think that Mm -hmm. in itself, us rejecting it and walking away from it is making that change. Mm -hmm. So I know that the, the museum, as you guys mentioned, was just supposed to be a a one-time pop-up and Mm -hmm. obviously (laughs) it has (laughs) sort of taken on a life of its own Mm -hmm. and grown in really unexpected ways. What have been some of the unexpected, Un, in, oh, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> talking too much today. <laughs> what have been some of the unexpected impacts that you've noticed? I think just the people that have came in, they forced us to be present in the museum. Like we yeah. finished it and it was a lot of work and it was hard. And we and were we just tired. <laughs> and we were like, all right, it's cool. It's done. Whatever. Let these people in. And these people have came through and they have like, forced us to be present in that moment. They forced us to acknowledge the museum. Like we mm-hmm. didn't even notice the impact until these people came in and were like, oh my gosh. And walking around with them and seeing their stories and hearing them. And Keisha got them to do video to uh, video testimonials of mm-hmm. what resonated with them and what it meant to them. So being able to watch all of those videos, it forced us to be, I think that was unexpected. Yeah. They forced us to be present and even love ourselves as Black women. We create all these things, yeah. and it's, it's always things that you need within yourself, you know? It's so. definitely been, I will say it's been the hardest and most rewarding time of our lives. Like, we've both always been very, like, high achievers, like, creative, driven, you know, taking care of our business. And we've had to sacrifice so much for this museum Mm -hmm. and for just all of the projects that we're doing in general, but especially for the museum. And it it showed us what we're made of. Like it showed us what we're made of and it forced us to stand in that. Like we're telling these black women, come in this space, celebrate yourself. And the mirror is put right back on us. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so we have to celebrate ourselves. We have to celebrate that we did do this. It did just start off as an idea in a notebook. We were sitting there literally in the store looking like, okay, well, we have the boutique now. We've done these pop-ups. So now let's let's make the museum happen. Mm-hmm. And Charlie's like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like a, a ridiculous, like, optimist. I'm like, oh, it's going to be amazing. We're going to do it. It's going to come together. And there was even a few points where I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to head out. Um, <laughs> we had so many people come in that saw us setting up and it looked a hot mess. And people were like, 
first of all, they're like, you can't create a museum in a boutique. And we're like, well, we can do whatever we want to do. That's a good thing about black women. Don't tell us. <laughs> don't tell us what we ain't going to do. We're going to figure it out, okay? <laughs> That's what's going to happen. So there's going to be the paint and turn their nose up like you can't pull this off. The day before the museum was supposed to open, it still was crazy. Crazy. And people are like, you can't, you can't pull this off. That's the other thing. It's like, you have to um, mute the noise. Mm-hmm within yourself the self-doubt you have to mute that and mute these faces and these nose turns and these opinions because all these people came in open and i like oh oh my gosh you guys did it you it know? was a lot of that like wow y'all did it y'all pulled it off yeah so like, what did you think <laughs> <laughs> and i think we had to even tell ourselves that like girl you have this idea what did you think it was a reminder like yeah we are we can do this like right. we're creative like we're talented like Yes. Yes. Yes, we did it. <laughs> you know. What do you think has been the biggest lesson each of you have learned about yourselves through this process? Uh, oh. Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> Can you repeat the question one time? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so through the process from ideation to where you are now with the museum, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned about yourselves? My biggest lesson, it's twofold, is, and I think we talked about this a lot, not allowing self-doubt to win. Um, I am, I guess the biggest thing I've learned is I can be my own worst enemy and my best, I guess, supporter, if you will. And I learned it in a way that's not cliche. You know, we always say that, oh, you're your own worst enemy. But when you're really in the trenches, like trying to do something that you know is bigger than yourself, that you know could possibly be bigger. And like to be able to pull yourself up in those hard moments where it just feels like nothing is working. Like I learned that I can do that. You know, I learned to stand in that power and to, like Charlie was saying earlier, just mute that self-doubt and like quiet out those noises and that that's literally in my control. You know, everything is in my control. And mm-hmm. if I allow that to be the loud voice of the day, then that's how that's what the tone is going to be. And that's what I'm going to produce. But if I allow the, the optimism that I laugh at, but if I allow that to be my strength and to work from a place of using that as my strength, amazing things happen. And I would say that's just it. Like that unapologetic belief in myself and to move forward regardless like Mm -hmm. to be smart but to move forward regardless move forward with what Mm -hmm. I know I need to make happen and want to make happen Mm -hmm. um we're really big on manifestation so your Mm -hmm. thoughts are your reality you know Mm -hmm. what you ask for you'll get so whatever you're asking for be prepared for it when you get it because we're like yeah 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 i want this museum thank you had it in my like wrote it down in my journal i'm gonna do this and then it got here and people are like so many people were like offering us stuff and want us to come here we want us to come here we were over i'm like why and again that's another kind of self-doubt like did you not think you could do pull off something that amazing did you not think that you could do something that amazing and even if you did, be prepared for it. Like I said, we had to keep extending it and extending it because we were just like, oh, okay, you know. And so it's just like really prepare yourself for what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you're asking God for, whatever you're asking the universe for, be prepared for that. Because as soon as you ask for it, things are going to start shifting. And it might look hard or whatever or good because like all these people are coming in with opportunities. And I'm like, that's too good to be true. I don't understand why you guys are here. People are often to do stuff for us for free just as wanted to be a part of the community. We're like, why? 
Mm-hmm. And so I had to sit, I had to sit back like, but you asked for this and now you're questioning it. Why are mm-hmm. you questioning something that you asked for? So that's just a big thing I learned is be, be prepared and believe in yourself. Like you said, be, believe in yourself um, and have patience, have patience. This is not, it looks so glamorous to everybody else, but it's a, it's an up and down joy ride for sure Every day. all the time. So you have to be patient. <laughs> the, sometimes there's a brick wall and an obstacle, but the, the value is right behind it and you have to persevere through that. You have to, so and through all of your perseverance and the ups and downs of bringing an idea into the world, how have you stayed on track? How have you maintained a level of self-care for yourself? We're still, it's a every day. It's, it's a work day. in progress. Because it has <laughs> just been go time since this museum took off. And so we just mm-hmm. talked about it today. We're like, we're setting aside Monday for self-care. Mm-hmm. Like even mm-hmm. when we shut down the museum, we slept for like a couple of days, just mm-hmm. so tired. So I would tell everyone else to make that a priority. Um, it's really hard. It was really hard for us to make it a priority. Um, we had a person that sat down and asked us the same thing. She said, when are you, what are you doing for self-care? Mm-hmm. And that's a daily practice. So we're still trying to figure it out. Um, we're still working on it. We're working on it. Mm-hmm. We'll come back and give you an update. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. we got our self-care together. Our Check out our socials. <laughs> You'll see it on your social media. Sounds we'll good. give y'all updates. <laughs> we we're almost at time, but I do want to wrap with one final question. And I'd like to know your thoughts on, you know, thinking about the audience and whoever might be listening to this. If somebody out there has an idea, has a theme that they want to do that's just been sort of sitting in their journal or sitting in their head in a while and they're like, I want to do this thing. I think it's going to have impact. What would you say to that person, to that woman out there who wants to have an impact in the world and is maybe trying to take action on it or hasn't taken action on it? What would you tell them about being a woman of impact? Mm -hmm. I would say do it. Do it. Do it scared. Do it, frightened, do it, whatever, do it. Um, even with the museum, I put the event out before I knew what the museum was. I had a name and I put the museum out and I didn't even want to do the museum. I put it out um, in September of last year, just put the event out quietly, did not promote it. I was like, I'm just going to create this event on my page, whatever. Came back. I didn't even check it for like a month. Came back and checked it. At that point, it had reached like over a thousand people, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Now I have to do this museum. Like, mm-hmm. you never know. Like I said, you're ne- you never know who's waiting on your gift at all. And whatever it is, first of all, if you have an idea, write it down immediately in your notes on your phone or whatever, um, so you don't forget it. But do it, literally do it. Because I'm like, look at where we're at now. We didn't we didn't know. I I sat on it. I was just like, I right, am put it out there and see if people are interested. I'm not going to share it though. I'm just going to see if people see it. And people saw it. I don't know how, but people saw it. Maybe that was God. He was like, yeah, you're going to do this, but do it. And I would say do it and take advantage of the resources and actually execute your plan effectively. Like, because you can do it. And sometimes you do it in a way where you have to backtrack and fix things. So I would say do it and learn as much as you can. So if you have an idea in your notebook, break it down into actionable steps and do the research to figure out how you're going to make that process as painless as possible. Cause that's one thing that we're learning too is about working smarter, not harder. So do mm-hmm. it, 
get the knowledge that's out there because in this day and age, Google and YouTube University are your best friends, like when you're Mm -hmm. starting and don't be afraid to invest in certain things as well. So get as much free game as you can, but invest in the stuff that's going to really take you to the next level. Because I would say that was a difference maker for us too, just being willing to invest in little things here and there for our idea, paying for ads every once in a while, or, you know, even paying for the stuff for the museum. So just having an action plan, putting yourself out there, regardless of being scared and like taking advantage of the resources that are available. Cause there's so mm-hmm. many resources. There's so much free information out there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even if you don't feel all the way prepared, still put it out there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I said, I put it out in September and in, in November we were looking at empty walls. Like, <laughs> for, yeah. like, for like a week and or a week and a half or so like Keisha people are coming to a museum and it's empty in here like what we don't have any art <laughs> we didn't know what the museum looked like no. at that point we're like what is it what is going on so and now here we are so yeah Amazing. Great advice. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and the work that you're doing and just being here on the show with us today. Appreciate it. Thank Thank you you. so much. (laughs) All right, folks, we are going to call it here. Make sure you check out either Black Creatives Weekend or the Museum for Black Girls. As usual, you will be able to link to uh, Charlie and Dorkeisha in our show notes to make that easier for you. This is something that you can engage with, that you should learn more about. And hey, if you can be a resource to the museum, then just reach out and let them know. Maybe you can help them on the traveling podcast. Or excuse me, this is a podcast, the traveling museum. <laughs> See, it's been a long week, y'all. <laughs> oh, I hear you. We definitely yeah. feel that. We feel that. <laughs> help them get this uh, incredible immersive space out there. If there's anything you can do, just reach out. In the meantime, thank you as usual for supporting this show, for continuing to share it. Please do that. That's how this audience grows. And for asking me to come back for a whole other season. Yes. I'm excited about that. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you, folks. We appreciate you so, so much. Don't forget to check out Travel and Trade, our affiliate sponsor for the show. And until next time, we out.